and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hi folks and welcome to another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward. As always, I am here with my esteemed colleagues, Mr. Phil Jessen and Mr. Graham Jones, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. This session, we are talking about the sales pitch. This is part two of a two-part uh, episodes. Uh, the first one is planning and preparing for your sales pitch. Now we're into delivering our sales pitch. So now you've got planned and prepared properly you're ready to go and then now the bell rings and you are about to go into your sales pitch with your customers sitting in front of you so gentlemen how do we open well could i suggest that as the presenter uh we might be feeling a tad nervous yeah so my first contribution is just a couple of comments on controlling our nerves it's a good thing that they are there yes but uh they need to be controlled, as uh, we all know. Um, so my first um, guideline is only start when you are ready to start. Uh, and if you imagine a beauty parade where you might be third on and it's running 10 minutes late, there's a terrible risk that we start almost on the hoof. Uh, but this is about saying to the room, uh, just talk amongst yourselves for a minute. I'll just connect my laptop. I'll just do this, that, and the other. I'll be with you in two seconds. Yeah. But guideline is don't start until you are ready. Yeah. And my uh, next guideline would be that if you feel at the front of the room that uh, eyes are gazing in your direction and they are penetrating like little drills, uh, then the guideline has to be take their eyes off you as quickly as possible. And you can do that in three seconds by getting a slide up on the screen with your objectives for the presentation, if you choose to do that. Yeah, sure. I'd say that actually you need to start without any nerves, really. And uh, the reason for that is that all the evidence shows that people with any degree of anxiety perform worse than those people with no anxiety. So you need to be anxiety-free. And the way to do that is to get rid of the hormone that's causing the anxiety, get rid of that adrenaline that's causing you a problem. And there is only one way that adrenaline is removed, and that's by muscular activity. Muscular activity switches off adrenaline and gets rid of it. So what you need to do before you go into the presentation room is go for a brisk walk. So get to the car park outside and walk up and down for 20 minutes. People will think you're mad, but you'll have got rid of your nerves. So you can start with that strong... Yeah start get you know use biology to get rid of the nerves that are inevitably going to be there and also to link to link your two comments gentlemen don't confuse adrenaline with nervousness okay? the body yeah. is trying yeah. to help you with a challenging situation yeah. and that the tremors and the, the the feeling in your stomach is actually adrenaline causing it's, yeah it. and it's you know, it's a rem- natural response yeah if you remember it's a chemical yeah. it's not that you're terrified and a little bit of pre-match anxiety is mm. not necessarily a bad thing because it gives you as long as you get that under control yeah yes 
Yeah. And, uh, and a fascinating, uh, fascinating piece of research from Professor Amy Cuddy, C-U-D-D-Y, from Harvard into power posing. Uh, Professor Cuddy's research, and you, you can find the video on YouTube if you, if you type it in, power posing, Amy Cuddy, I think if you search yep. for that you'll find it, is that people sitting in what she calls a low power posture, so shoulders hunched forward and you know, low, low down, submissive kind of posture. I think if I recall correctly, it was cortisol levels. Right. After two minutes, cortisol levels in their system increase, makes them feel more tense, tense and anxious. Yeah. Standing up in a nice, powerful posture, firm legs firmly apart, shoulders back, hands on hips, I think she does is the example. Yeah. You don't probably have to do that. Testosterone levels after two minutes increase, which makes you feel more powerful and confident. So managing your state so that when you start you start in absolutely the right state of mind and and physical state to do a good job do not as we say in the professional speaking world do not warm up on your audience you warm up in advance professional football players soccer players do not warm up on the pitch they warm up in advance before they go on the field of play and that's absolutely yeah. the thing we need to we need to do now we did talk in the first session about slides or no slides so let's talk about delivery of the sales pitch if we're using slides or if we're not using slides so should we do slides First, Graham will not contribute at all to this because he doesn't like slides. But, uh, I should just say switch them off. Right. Switch them off. Yes, switch them off. Graham was having a chat, wasn't he, over a slice of Victoria sandwich and what have you. And, uh, no, I, I, am, I am in favour of uh, one or two slides. I think they can be used to uh, illustrate a point. But my um, old boss years ago uh, was very critical of a slide that I used once in a presentation. And, of course, it was the inevitable slide with a hundred words on it yes and he said to me later in the car that was not a visual uh, that was just visible verbals um, and that's fair <laughs> enough visible isn't it? verbals love uh, words that can be seen they're exactly the same words that i was trotting out at the time so if you're going to use a visual then it has to be a proper visual a cartoon a photograph a graph whatever uh, something that complements yes. what we are saying Mm. Not distracting from it, but something that complements it, but not just same old, same old words. Yeah. Meanwhile, Graham still hasn't uh, switched I've, on. I've, I've, I've not switched on my projector He's, yet, he's, so he's, he's, he's not convinced. <laughs> he's not. And of course, there is the, the good basic thing about having your laptop in a position where you can see the slide and you can then look down and see what's on the slide if you need to, but then not losing eye contact with the audience, you know, the obvious sin of turning your back on the audience to look at the slides yeah. you know mm. that's uh, sort of basic presentation skill and having the clicker as opposed to having to keep uh, 100%. Yeah. of course part of planning and preparation you make sure you've got fresh batteries in your clicker yeah. so that it doesn't run out halfway halfway through the presentation and a little tip that, that that i used to assume everybody knew but apparently i find out a lot of times people don't that in PowerPoint, if you're in screen show mode, um, that if you hit the letter B, the screen will go black, and if you hit it again, the screen comes back on. If you hit W, the screen goes white, which allows you then to turn that off before you, tr- maybe if you're going to move, yeah. you can transition across without, you know, the... You're not in front of the beam. Yeah, yeah. you're not in front of the beam or being blinded by the data projector. And I'm sure there are similar as similar facilities in Keynote on, on Macs as well. So. The, the, one other thing I would say about slides, let's assume that the room we're in has got a, uh, uh, a screen or a uh, TV monitor or something. 
uh, and there's a flip chart in the corner as well at our end of the table. Um, I often try and influence the lighting in the room, uh, kill the light over the screen, but get the flip chart under yeah. the light yeah. Yeah. for obvious reasons. But uh, sometimes uh, it's very easy to uh, be doing a presentation and there's this sort of football stadium quality light in the room that has just completely reduced the quality of the image. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that really annoys me about most rooms where you do these pitches in is that they've been designed by architects who I think have never ever been to meetings because what they do is they put the screen in the middle of the room and everybody's sat round a table facing the screen in the middle of the room which means you as the person presenting the pitch have to stand sideways on which means you can probably only make eye contact with half the room and so the screen in the middle of the room is a real killer if you yeah. don't use the B button, or actually, it's much easier if you don't have slides, because it doesn't matter where the screen is then, you can be the star of the show in and the middle of the room. And control it, which is, again, is where Graham would come in very strongly about, you know, the, the, the PowerPoint's not necessarily, not necessarily always the way to go. Just because you've done it like that before doesn't necessarily mean you absolutely need to. I think one of the mistakes that uh, many people use is, is make is to use the slide as their prompt yeah yes and they look at the screen and then in that rather telling way say oh yes uh, as if the slide has prompted them to cover the next point Uh, there's always this healthy debate isn't there about notes that uh, we the presenter might need Um, I don't think I don't see anything wrong with uh, writing notes in full prior to the presentation because that just gets our message right but on the day uh, I won't use a full set of notes I typically just use keywords uh, words which very often are an inch high on a piece of paper that I can see very quickly from three or four feet away yes and the keyword uh, as the name suggests unlocks the next 200 or 300 words if the keyword is right it should do that uh, so I've had, I've had people say, isn't it unprofessional to use notes because you should know it? I would just say I'd rather listen to a good presentation that someone does with notes than a bad presentation where they're trying to wing it and they forget something. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with them as providing you're not reading off a, like you're reading off a script and it sounds canned. No, you I can think- be quite skillful as well. Sometimes I've uh, listened to somebody in the room say something. And I'll say that's a very good frank, a very good point, Frank. Let me just write that down. What I'm actually doing is reading my notes uh, as to where I'm headed next. But the audience yeah. think that I'm actually writing down the comments that's, that's come from them. So you, you can use little tricks like that just to. I think the best get back trick on though is to learn from the Greek and Roman uh, orators. So if you go to uh, look at any of these um, amphitheaters where they used yeah. to, you know, Socrates would stand in the middle. And uh, he would talk to the world about you know whatever his philosophy he was debating. These uh, amphitheaters were built for uh, you know a group of orators. And if you look at the pillars, the pillars, uh, so the you know archaeologists show us, all had different carvings on, so they were never the same. And that's because they were their visual clues as to what to talk about. So the first pillar would have an eagle carved on it, and they talk about soaring like an eagle. And then the next one would have, you know, doves on it. So they'd remember, oh, the next thing I talk about is being peaceful or whatever it is. 
Well, you can do that in the room because what you do is you, t you, you divide your talk, your presentation up into your five key points, whatever it is, and then you think of some powerful visuals which will remind you of that point. And you get those powerful visuals printed out as posters, including your company logo and maybe a strap line on it, and then you pin them up on the wall in the room. Yeah. And you stick them up all the way around in the order that you want to, to talk about them. And so you're looking out into the audience, and just like those orators had, you have got a visual clue as to what to talk about next. So you don't need any notes, you don't need to look down, you don't need to disconnect with them, you can see it. And then the advantage is, you then leave the room, leaving your logo pinned up for the competitors to see after you. Yeah, we've sometimes, for, for pitches around sales training, have asked for half an hour to set the room yeah. up so that it looks like what a training room will look like yeah. when we're working with you. All the materials on the walls and on the yeah. floor and there's cards in it. And obviously often we leave things Quite. behind. Yeah. Deliberately leave those materials yep. behind. Nothing worse, can you imagine, coming into a make your sales pitch and the competitors' materials all over the walls. That's yeah. going to be kind of a bit disconcerting, yeah. isn't it? But I'm not worried about them. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> worried about beating them to the, to, the, to the sale. So what about no slides, delivery without? So you are the grand master of no PowerPoint. So. Well, I do use PowerPoint sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, push come to shove, I'd rather not use it. Yeah. And the reason for that is it means I can engage with everybody in the room. I, I haven't got to worry about any technology. I've not got to worry about things failing. I've not got to worry about lack of connection, I've not got to worry about forgetting my clicker, all those other things. I've not got to worry about managing anything other than having a conversation with people. And that's easy because we can all do that naturally. Yeah. So that you know, every salesperson making a pitch is holding conversations naturally all the time. So actually it makes it easier to do the presentation. So if you're worried about nerves, it's easier to do as long as you've got some visual clues to help you remember what to say. The other thing is that you'll remember what to say if you've got props and things that you can bring in and also if you've got interaction that you're going to build in. So you've got a, a program that you're going to go through with them for, the, you know, you may be doing a half hour pitch and, you know, five minutes in you've got some interaction that you're going to do. So uh, it makes it much easier to manage all that if you haven't got to manage technology with it. Perfect. I think it depends on the situation. If, for example, the account manager is selling a health and safety training course uh, where the expectation from the client is that that person is the person who will be coming into their business to run training courses on health and safety. I think the expectation would be that they would want to see that person on their feet yes. with a couple yes. more slides. Yeah. But I agree with Graham, there'll be other situations where that's not the case. But I think it's about understanding what the expectation is and making sure in the preparation stage, saying to the client, well, I was planning to do this, say this, does that sort of sit comfortably with you? And when the client says, oh, no, we were expecting you to do A, B and C, then now we know, don't we? Yeah, uh, yeah. and the, the other time that you might have to use slides is sometimes in a beauty parade, they send you some slides where you fill in the blanks. Yes. So that each of the four people pitching have got identical sets of slides. Yeah. And so you're required then to do that. So just because you fill them in and just because you're going to show them doesn't mean you have to be a slave to those slides. And so I think a lot of people become a slave to those slides. You can fill them in, print them out, not present them. But I think actually Graham used the word conversation. And I think whether it's slides or not or whatever it is, 
I think if your sales pitch is more of a conversation with the customer that involves the customer and not a pitch to them or at them, definitely not at them, I think that's far more powerful because you're engaging them at different levels, more emotionally, for example, uh, than, than, than doing that. So let's talk about starting off. So we talked about primacy and recency in the previous one about planning, etc. Would you go first or last in the day was what we were talking about. So the first thing, sort of things you say, the first minute and the last minute are obviously vitally important parts of your sales pitch. What are your thoughts on a strong opening that grabs the attention of the room? Um, in exactly the same way as you'd start a strong opening with a conversation, you'd be, you know, hello, nice to meet you, mm-hmm. um, kind of shaking hands with somebody you've never met for the first time so you're doing that with the room so a strong opening is actually to connect with people personally in the room Mm. definitely going to introduce yourself and say hello usual stuff good firm handshake nice to see you good morning exactly fantastic whereas they remember that whereas a a lot of people won't even shake hands with the people in the room so they're kind of disconnected already and um, some, some people will then, the client will then say, right, let's do introductions. And you go, you go around. And if, the client want, if that's the way the client wants to do it, it's sometimes quite difficult to, to, to alter that fact. Um, but then you need to have thought about what your introduction is going to be and how you're going to introduce yourself. Yeah. So that's, you know, like I would say, you know, should we be successful in winning this business? I will be the person responsible for the commercial relationship yeah. using that sort of language. And make a good, strong, firm introduction. Is, is, yeah. is that way? Yeah, and, and and I would also. I, I think there's no better way of starting a presentation than illustrating that we really do understand not just the brief, but bigger than that, we understand the customer's world. So, yeah. saying something that shows that we understand that point is going yeah. to resonate. With people, so it's talking about them, not talking about us. I was us. Say, I'd always open. We, you know, we. I'll often use something like my my understanding of the purposes today is for us to understand if you think we are the right partner yeah. to, to help you develop the performance of your sales team and get yep. better results or not. And, and many use the or not. Many, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. many companies on their website have got some statement, sometimes cheesy, admittedly, but some statement about their corporate yeah. mission vision. All of that good stuff, if we think our solution fits that and will help deliver that, then that's a lovely yeah. partnership way, isn't it, of kicking the thing off. And I think that a kind of test of your opening, if you write it out in advance, is how many times are you using the word you in it? Um, because you've got to write this from their perspective, whereas if your opening is all about I or we, then you've already distanced yourself from them. And, and a basic thing, by the way, is... is get hold of the most recent copy of their logo and make sure it is the most yeah. recent one by having a look at their website and making sure it is the current one and using it on your slides or your handouts or things like that so they see they yeah. see their they logo. They see themselves. They yeah. have never, I've never had to have those. And then in terms of the mid-delivery, we'll talk about a strong ending. You know, My general guidance will be less is more. Yep. Three, probably main message that you repeat three times and three key supporting points yep. and some evidence to back it up, testimonials, case studies. Yeah, I yep. think is a very strong. Uh, I'll, I'll say, you know, here's some here's the ubiquitous slide with the logos. Yeah, please feel free to choose as many of those as you'd like to, and we'll connect you directly with those, and you can ask them whatever questions you want to, and we won't be involved in the call. Mm. Now, 
trust me, nine times out of ten, they never even take us up on the offer. But if they do, fantastic, we connect them. And it makes them feel really uh, comfortable, yeah. I think, that we've, we've made that offer. I think um, uh, another key element towards the middle t- to the end section of the presentation is, is the payback for the client. Yeah. Where is the ROI? Uh, in our training world, of course, that's relatively easy because people will say to us, well, how do we know that this training program is going to be a good thing? Yeah. Well, on the day, there are evaluation forms. Uh, within three or four weeks sales conversion ratios might improve but by the end of the year uh, there will be cost savings or additional sales coming through as a result of the improvement in sales but are we going into that presentation with some strong ROI arguments that answer the question how will we know that this has been a good decision i.e. what's the payback because you're actually selling them what they're buying, which is the results. Yeah. They're not actually buying you or your products or your services. No. They're, they're buying the results of those. So I think, uh, you know, and I, and I know, Phil, you often use the structure of here's where you are now, here's where you'd like to be, here's the results you want to get, and here's how we can help you get there. I think is a pretty powerful, pretty, and it can be done on one slide, Graham, yeah. or, or one piece of paper. Half a slide. <laughs> half, a sli- a half a slide. Half a slide. <laughs> and and, and from, a, from a delivery point of view, um, if you imagine if you're from the perspective of the audience and you're looking at the screen with that slide, across the left-hand side is where they are now, uh, the right-hand side is where they would like to be. What I'll sometimes do is talk about where they are now from physically by standing the left-hand side of the screen, then I'll blank the screen, talking about it, and then move over to the other side when I'm talking about the results. Just visually yeah. anchors the two. I find that works quite quite nicely. Movement, obviously, when you're making presentations, needs to be deliberate mm. and considered. And if it's not for a purpose, stay, stay put. Still. Yeah. Only move for a reason and not hopping backwards and forwards from one foot. There's got to be some together. choreography here. Yes. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to plan, you know, where am I going to stand to make this kind of point? Yeah. Where am I, you know, if I'm making a joke, if I'm being funny, I always stand in that position because then they'll relate. Mm. He's yeah. going to be funny now in that position. Uh, so all of that. And if you think, if you look at, uh, if you analyse a James Bond movie, you can see that these th- the things they want to happen are always happening at regular points. Yeah. So there is always a piece of action every seven minutes. There's always a piece of comedy every ten minutes. Yeah. And so and they come with so the audience is kind of expecting that to happen. Mm. It's the, what you might call the, the flow of the film mm. um, or the choreography of what's going on. And so when you're delivering, you need to have worked all that out in advance as part of your plan. But you need to make sure when you're in the room, you're going to deliver, as you say, standing still when you're doing the really serious, this is the amount of profit you're going to make as a result yeah. of use this or whatever. But over here, when you, you know, stand over somewhere else when you're making a funny point, stand over somewhere else where you're making a solution-based point. So they get, and they, those bits of choreography have got to be planned in advance so they're not all you're not doing solutions all at the same point in the presentation there's also some uh, spontaneous choreography isn't there because if somebody in the audience has come up with a good idea or suggested something that we haven't thought of uh, turn to the flip chart and write it on the flip chart yeah Yeah. it's flattering Uh, it's also something that we can take away but it shows that we are listening and we do care enough to just stop everything scribble for five seconds and then turn back to the audience and carry on yeah and, yeah. and also choreographing who does what yeah. there's more than one of you choreographing 
who is going to have if you've got handouts who is going to give those out who are you going to give them to first yeah. that sort of that sort of thing who's going to handle certain questions if they come out so how to handle the Q&A because even if you say you know we'd like to take questions at the end they're still the clients at the end of the day and trust me if the CEO decides to ask a question he's going to ask he or she's going to ask you a question whether or not it's the end yeah. or not and uh it might be a good idea to answer it unless you can say uh, if you give me two minutes I think we're going to come on to that I think we should come yeah. on to answer that to yeah. answer that question but the um, last thing you should do at that point if the CEO is asking a question say I did say questions at the end yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's not likely to be a deal closer <laughs> no. not likely to be a deal closer um, so if you are not the presenter who should you be looking at? You know, let's say the three of us are in there together and I'm on my feet doing the presentation. Phil and Graham, you would be doing what? I'd be looking around the room. Yeah. <laughs> watching watching the audience, folks. You don't want to sit and watch how you're... If you're the boss, you don't want to be sitting, I wonder how... I wonder if Simon doing a good job or not. I've seen you, you enough. Be, yeah, you, 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 you should be watching. You should be watching. Phil and Graham will be watching the audience and seeing how people are responding... And seeing if the big alpha male or alpha female in the room is responding yeah. positively to it or not. And we might also be your leg man if there's a handout yes. needs to be yes. distributed quickly, then we can scamper around and do that. Yeah, yeah. And it's but it's understanding those roles in advance so it doesn't start to get all, all, all convoluted. And yeah. what about a strong close at the end, the strong ending of the presentation? Well, I think I've told you guys this story before, but years ago a um, a recruitment consultant friend of mine uh, used to interview five people a day for 20 years. I don't know how he survived that, by the way. Gosh, yeah, but apparently, at the end of every interview, he used to turn to the applicant and say, that's been great. Just give me one sentence to remember you by. And it's a lovely line, isn't it? Because mm. there is he, the consultant. Come 5.30, he probably can't, rem- can't remember the first person in any yeah, details. So yeah. to give people a line to remember you by or maybe it's a final slide to remember you by something that's also visible on a USB stick or a handout or a subsequent email as Graham suggested but it doesn't have to be lengthy I think it can be a thank you maybe it's thank you for your time thank you for that excellent question Frank blah 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 hope that's addressed your needs and expectations but perhaps we can just leave you one thing to remember us by and probably that one thing has got quite a rhythmic feel to it it's probably one of those dirty 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 type of one-liners that just punchy impactful leave it and then bow and say goodnight sometimes in speaking circles it's called like a three-ender it's got a rhythm of three as yeah. yeah you know sentence remember you by will provide you a tried and tested and proven solution that will deliver you the results you're looking yeah. for yep and then just close i yep. think there are some things not to end with yep uh, so don't end with you know a picture of einstein saying as einstein said you know, um, because to me, only the other day. Yeah, quite. You know, all of those kind of very hackneyed kind of yeah. endings, and definitely do not end with, "Are there any questions?" 
because yeah. that's just leaving everybody completely flat. There are inevitably going to be questions, so you don't need to ask if there are going to be any questions or just say, well, that's it, now it's time for your questions. You've got to have a really strong ending. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing about questions is that remember, your last answer in that room is your actual ending of the whole presentation. So don't think your presentation ends and that's your ending. Your ending is when you're about to leave the room yeah. and you've just finished the whole thing and you've just given your last answer. So whatever the last question is, you've got to engineer it to come back to your presentation ending. Fantastic. So you leave them with a very strong, positive, yeah. last experience of you and then out you. Out yeah. So you. that one thing to remember us by, you've said that 10 minutes ago and then you've got 10 minutes of questioning before the bell rings and you're out. Yeah, that last bit before the bell rings, you come back to your one thing to remember us by. Somebody once said that presentations are at their most dangerous at the beginning or the end, rather like an aeroplane. Yeah. So if you think about planning and preparing for a presentation, the amount of time we spend on the front end or the back end is probably disproportionate to the whole, but that's the crucial bit. Absolutely. All the psychology of memory, everything yep. that Graham knows, is those are absolutely your two key 30 to 60 seconds that are probably going to make or break the presentation so really make sure you deliver those absolutely fantastically yeah. Fantastic. your recruitment friend will have if it's five interviews a day he'll have decided within the first 60 seconds whether or not this interview was going to be worthwhile mm. but was playing it out for the next hour just to be polite and then at the end he's worked out whether or not that person really is worthwhile based on their one sentence. Mm. So what happens in the other 58 minutes is entirely irrelevant to his decision-making. Yeah. So as we end this, folks, just remember, the thing they're going to remember is that first minute and that last minute. So make sure that's absolutely red-hot, fantastic content. So thank you for listening, everybody. This has been Graham Jones, Phil Jessen, and Simon Hazeldean for the saleschatshow.com. Uh, good luck and good selling, and thank you very much for listening. Have you got any questions? <laughs> Brilliant. You have been listening to an episode of The Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at The Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. <laughs>